0: Welcome to my Love Life Podcast, episode number 112, The Lost Art of Love and Affection. It's April 17th, 2023. I'm your host, Lisa A. Lundy, author, blogger, YouTuber, motivational speaker, and so on. I'm also a member of the Newsweek Expert Forum. What I do is I help people be happy, healthy, and well-loved even when life is extremely difficult. As my disclaimer, this podcast does not constitute medical or therapy advice in any way. My music is by Howie Moskovich. The lost art of love and affection. I love anything about love and love and affection. I have quite a number of things to say about this, which I hope will be very helpful and impactful to you in bringing love and affection to your life. Let's free fall right into love and affection. If you happen to be new to my content, I certainly hope you will visit my website at www.lisaalundy.com and enter my current giveaway because that would make me happy. I have a disclaimer and this is my disclaimer. Nothing that I say in this podcast or any of my podcasts or any of my content, written, video, etc. is designed or intended to be medical or therapy advice. If you need medical or therapy advice, you need to get that from a licensed healthcare provider or a licensed therapy, therapist, of which I'm not. My next important piece is if you are listening to this podcast and you feel hopeless or you are feeling as if life is just simply too hard for you or that you don't matter, or you're feeling suicidal, I am asking you to please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. That number again is 1-800-273-8255. I am asking you to talk about your feelings. I'm asking you to tell people that this is how you're feeling and I am asking that you take the help that is available because we do have an extraordinary amount of help available for you. My next side note is for the deaf and hard of hearing community. I currently have transcripts for all of my prior podcasts on the rss.com platform, my hosting platform. And within Two or so hours within a certain period of time once a new podcast is uploaded a transcript will be generated and therefore available in the coming weeks or as soon as possible I will also have podcast transcripts on my website currently the podcasts are on my website but not the transcript piece so we're working out the kinks on that I, I thought it had been done quite some time ago but I was wrong And the other thing for the deaf and hard of hearing community is that I am working to improve my rate of speaking, my the clarity of my speaking, my pronunciation so that a more accurate transcript is generated for your use. I beg your compassion. I'm doing the best I can. Okay. The lost art of love and affection. First of all, I understand that for many, many of you listening to this podcast, love and affection is not either in your life currently or has been a big missing for your entire life. You'll be all over the board about this. I don't know where you are about it. But what I do know is that for a significant number of people, a significant amount of the population love and affection is missing and love and affection <clears throat> was absent in their childhood for myself I have been deeply blessed with an abundance of love and affection and this is my pool this is my this is where I swim and I don't say that with arrogance and I'm, I'm saying that with all humility because quite frankly I don't know how I could have made it through life with all of the terrible traumas and the awful nasty things that were done to me with malice and intention. If I didn't have the love and compassion of people in my life, I don't know how I could have made it through. So for me, I have a different experience of love and affection than many of you listening to this podcast. It's not been your thing. It's not been the pool you swim in. It's not your comfort zone. It's very different for you. For myself, I'm really so deeply humbled and deeply thankful that it became a part of my life early on because it's been, it's been quite magical. So I want to pause in this point and have you kind of check in with yourself and ask yourself, well, where where is love and affection in your life? How much love and affection do you have in your life currently? How much love and affection have you had in your life? Well, I don't know, but it's certainly a very good question to ask at the outset of a podcast on the lost art of love and affection. For me, it seems... That love and affection is a huge missing out in the world. And it seems to me, particularly from some of the research I've been looking at, that it's a huge missing in too many uh, lives of children based on the ACE scores and other statistics. And it's not like I wasn't bullied as a child. Oh, I was teased in elementary school for being underweight and teased in junior high for being too ugly and barked at like the the guys barked at me. I know. Guess what? I have those pictures. I can prove that. I can prove that. So it's not as if I didn't have traumas and terrible things. I just happened to have love and affection and gravitated towards that so that the bullying and the mistreatment and the difficulties I had based on how I was treated didn't triumph over me. So I want to share something that I wrote in my early 20s before I graduated from college, which is interestingly enough about love. Here goes. Love, it is the essence of life, the essence of all meaningful relationships, love. It is warm, caring, sharing, supportive, enduring, and trusting. It is given from the heart. Love, in its most powerful form, develops over time with years of careful nurture and patience. Love, and you will most certainly be loved which is interesting to me. I actually put together a draft of this podcast and then it hit me out of the blue. Oh, I think I wrote about this in some of the things I wrote before I graduated from college. So I pulled out my book and looked in the back. Yes, which, by the way, all of the things I have written are on my website. You can find them. But I wrote several pieces about really hinting at affection about friendship. But the last line of what I wrote back in the day, love, and you will most certainly be loved, is a nod towards my, one of my themes, which is to have you and to have all people in the world be well loved. I did a video, YouTube video, two or so years ago, that's titled Be Well Loved, and I was shocked and just completely devastated that the people I spoke to out in the world about that video primarily said, well, I haven't been well loved and I'm X number of years old. So that doesn't mean everybody's not well loved, but it certainly seems concerning that the highest percentage of people that I spoke with and that I have been speaking with about this in the last two years are stating, no, they have not been well loved. So, this topic, love and affection, is extremely important. And there's a lot of reasons, in my opinion, why love and affection may be missing for people. My intention out of this podcast is to create a breakthrough for you, to create an opening or a pathway for you if love and affection is missing, if being well-loved is missing, or if love and affection is present but it's not that high, or you're loved but not really as much as you could be, that you have some ideas about what you can do about that moving forward. Because if love and affection is missing or love and affection is low, there are actions you can take to put love in. So this is my intention, that you have a breakthrough, that you find some ideas or insights that will allow you to take action. Now, um, you, have power in your life, but you might not feel as if you have power. And there may be things that you need to do to have love and affection. And for some of you, this podcast might simply be too painful to to face. If that's the case, then you need to turn it off and you need to make a mental note that love and affection is painful for you and to put that on your list that you eventually deal with it. And for some people, listen, their life has been so hard and so brittle and so painful, everything's painful. And I understand, I have deep compassion for this. So the next piece of this podcast is about the emotional elements. So for some of you, you whether you know it or not, but you, you may have been through in your childhood or even in your adult life, a betrayal, which could be, could fall into the category of a betrayal trauma. So if love and affection was missing when you were growing up, you may have anger, you may have resentment, you may have sadness, loss, feeling like you've gotten ripped off, There, you could have a whole myriad of feelings about love and affection, if it was missing in your childhood, and if it's been missing in your adult life. I mean, if you get in a relationship with an abuser, which, by the way, if you've missed this in my other podcast, is extremely common. It is extre- We have a high level of domestic abuse going on. We have no idea even how much of that is going on then of course love and affection would be missing because that's what abusers do. They withhold love and affection. So my request is wherever you are about love and affection, whether it's missing, whether it's been missing, whether it's present, but it's low that you identify your emotions and then take the steps to manage and process your emotions. We in society are not very good at managing and processing our emotions, let alone our vocabulary for emotional words. It's very limited. It's like like preschool limited because you as a human being, you hopefully, hopefully by the end of this podcast, you are going to be saying, oh, yes, I'm going for love and affection. I want that magic part of life is being able to identify, manage and process your emotions. So that's there's an emotional piece to this. Of course there's a great emotional piece if you have love and affection or you're going to decide today, oh yes, I'm going to make love and affection my priority. But there's emotional pieces you have to deal with. Now, starting at a young age, I already mentioned I was bullied for not being attractive in junior high and for being underweight and you know all kinds of things. I I I had my fair share of mistreatment. I might have even had more than my fair share of mistreatment, but we don't talk about that. However, by the grace of God or by some miracle or by whatever, I happened to develop rational thinking as a child, and even more miraculously developed Healthy self-esteem, that would be self-esteem not connected to my achievements or my successes or my roles. Those are two pieces which are unusual when you have bullying, as I experienced, or other maltreatment. So I don't have the same experience in life with love and affection that other people have had because I had a different you know start i had the start of decent ha- healthy self esteem rational thinking and then my mom did make me read an assertiveness book in high school so that just piled on and i did not become prone to negative thinking overthinking catastrophizing ruminating all of these things which can interrupt love and affection i gravitated to people that were loving and affectionate to me and didn't allow the junior high kids or the elementary teachers, all of it to take me out of the game. So in, you know, we kind of really are not talking about Love and affection in society, and the pieces that that interrupt that. So, I had a bunch of examples for this podcast, and I'm I'm really going to try to be a little more concise than my cliff notes because this is going to be for sure one of my longer podcasts. So, just to uh, I'm going to well, let's see. All right, so in college. So I had a lot of love and affection in my childhood. I had a sister who was born when I was 12. I was like her little mother. I was in love with that. I would tell my mother, go, go do something. Go, go do something. Go leave the house. Go. And she did. She joined Toastmasters. She joined the uh, Orchid Society and some photography group. And she, she said very early on, Well, if I had known it was going to be this easy to have a baby, I would have waited until you were 12 to have all the rest of the kids. This is delightful, but it gave me love and affection and it gave, it was just most delightful. So I had a lot of experience, not just with my sister or my other siblings, being the neighborhood babysitter, then I had a great, amazing, wonderful young man as my first boyfriend, my first romantic love, and then I segued into college, and I was quite baffled, quite baffled, not happy, that in college people would occasionally call me mom, and I was. Let me tell you, if you are a college girl, being called mom is extremely uncool. It is like the most uncool nickname you could have, which by the way, it was not because of the clothes I was wearing. So this went on and eventually one day, I, I just couldn't take it anymore. Someone, some girl had just called me mom. I took her aside to the corner of the room. We were actually, I think, at an ice cream social. And I said, I, I just have to understand, why did you just call me mom? And she said, oh, well, you always take care of everybody. You're always watching out for us. You do this and you're this way and this way. And I said, okay, which was okay, I could see that what she was saying was true, but I didn't make the connection with mom. So I said, okay, what did I just do that made you say that? And then she explained, well, you took care of the ice cream tub and you did this and did this and this. I'm like, oh, 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 okay. Well, so then being called mom wasn't so irritating or upsetting, but this, this traveled on with me because I do what I do because i I really am comfortable in my own skin, and I will say that later in life, I was brought in to be the executive director of an organization, leaving out the details, and my first email to the membership, I thought, hmm, how am I going to sign my first introductory email to all these people? And I thought, you know what, I'm going to be myself in this group, in this setting, in this organization. And if they don't like me, then they need to find somebody else. So I signed the email, love Lisa, which nobody said a word about, but there was a huge ruckus about, which I never heard about for four years. And then four years in, we had a major medical conference and we had a gala dinner. And at the dinner, they were handing out awards. And then the two people presenting awards said, well, now we're going to talk about who signs emails love their name. And they went on and on about who does that. So, of course, I knew in that moment they were talking about me because I was the only one who did that. Nobody else adopted that that, that signature. And I looked around the room and it was amazing because people were shaking their heads, looking at each other in bewilderment, bewilderment and disbelief. Of course, the people who I had been emailing, love Lisa, for four years, they knew it was me. But the majority of the, I don't know how many people were there, 200 people or whatever, they did not know. And I looked at my table and no, I wasn't sitting at that table with people who would have received my emails. They were looking at each other. It was really quite funny knowing that it was me. And of course then it wrapped up with, like, it was beautiful. It was a beautiful roasting. It was funny and it was sweet and it was thoughtful because they talked about how that's who I am. And once they got to know me and saw how I do life and how I do, well, if I'm going to lead a group, guess what? We're doing it with love and affection and it's going to be playful and it is going to be fun because those are some of my requirements. But that's not what most people do. It's just not. So that gives you kind of a sense of, Love and affection is important to me and I and I do take it wherever I go because that's me. It's not everybody, but trust me, it's very fun. Now I, I was a little stunned when they did the roasting that some of the doctors' wives were saying who who is this woman signing love lisa to these to these emails? Like I had no idea that was going on, but it would all it all got taken care of. And it all worked out beautifully because that actually is what the organization needed. Play, fun, love, affection, all the things that I brought to the table. So where are you with love and affection? Where are you with love and affection in your friendships, in your platonic relationships, your romantic relationships, if you have one, your family, your your kids, your pets, your friends? Where is love? with your job, your career, your vocation, you know, where is, is there love in your life? Well, I don't know where you're at about it, but this is the place for you to begin to look as we're talking about love and affection. And I, I've, I've claimed in previous podcasts, I do need some more social connections because my friends either live far away or or they're way more committed to grandchildren or children or jobs or whatnot. So I did start with two of my friends, a social outing club, to increase my social connections to have people to do things with because my friends, if I'm not in a romantic relationship, my friends are a good source of love and affection. And, and my lovely friends have very busy lives and we can't get our schedules connected. So the Social Outing Club started last year. I will say it's not really being successful and we did just talk about that last week. So it looks like we're going to continue it through the fall because we did have a new person show up and we'll see. But where is love and affection coming to you in your life. Well, I don't know, but this is the place to start because love and affection, you know, I, I love what I'm doing. I love what I'm doing. I know I can make a difference for people. I know I already have made a difference and I love the idea of people feeling happy, of people healing of people having magical lives like that is just that's over the top. I can't I can't tell you how much I love that. So as we continue on in the content of this podcast, where is love coming to you? Where is love and affection? Where are your sources for you to receive it and for you to give it? All right, so the value of love. Well, it seems to me that we are not openly, frequently discussing the value of love and the value of affection. Yet we have a lot of science to say it's one of the most significant things that there is in life. One of the things that love and affection provides is it provides vitality. It provides energy, a sense of happiness laughter, play, fun, sparkle, and magic. And when I'm saying magic, by the way, I do not mean witchcraft magic. I don't mean like magician magic. But in my experience, in my humble opinion, when you can bring love and affection fully into your life, or at least increase it, life becomes magical, love is healing. Love is the most powerful emotion on the planet and love is amazing. And when you have love and affection cemented in your life, it's magical. If you've listened to my other podcasts, you know I've had the worst stuff happen to me. Every major life challenge and trauma, check, check, check. I'm not happy about that, by the way. I laugh about it, but I'm not happy about it. But what got me through I mean I and still I've had this amazing life like bar none amazing the most rich experiences I have the best people I like I've had a miraculous life despite just the worst kind of beatdown. like really it's like a people want to take you down but I've, but why is that? Well, a, there's a lot of reasons, but one of them is what we're talking about. The presence of love and affection in my life. Now, love can be transformational. I don't know how you feel about love and affection. So I want to just give you a snippet and I mean a bare bones snippet on, um, the science, that validates the importance of love. So there is a, there's one of my favorite scientists. Well, I, I can't really say she's my favorite, but I, I love her experiments. So there's a woman by the name of Marion Diamond, or was, who did experiments in neuroplasticity of the brain. I just did a podcast titled neuroplasticity and psychoneuroimmunology. So I am not going to go through all that science, but I want to make one brief mention of her kind of, I refer to it as the TLC experiment where they basically, she had her lab workers or assistants take the rats out of their cages, love on them, pet them gently, say sweet things to them. And then they were measuring the rats, neuroplastic gains in their brains and Of course, they had gains in neuroplasticity, but the rats also lived 50% longer. So there's something very compelling. That podcast, Neuroplasticity and Psychoneuroimmunology, will give you a little bit more of the detail. But speaking of psychoneuroimmunology, in that podcast, I talk about the fact that the mind and the body are connected. We have proof positive. That's a done deal, people. Psychoneuroimmunology is the science that proves you can't disconnect your brain and your body. Well, okay, if you had some kind of brain trauma or your brain stem was cut, I mean, like, but if you're healthy and you're well, your mind and your body are connected. So when you have love and affection in your life, there's going to be an impact for that. Not a bad one, by the way. So those two things. So I don't know where you are about recognizing the connection between your mind and your body. That podcast would be very valuable to you if you think that that it's not true. Like there are people who think, oh no, I, I have knee pain, but it has nothing to do with my emotions. Oh boy, really, I want you to understand your emotions, your traumas, your life experiences, they don't you don't get away you don't get away with that without having that having an impact on you if you don't do the work. If you don't have high emotional intelligence, which not many people do. But if you haven't like processed your emotions and done the work and you're having physical illness, chronic pain, chronic diseases, You know, that's probably related and yet we have a significant percentage of the population who dismisses the fact that their physical health problem or their mental health problem or their chronic pain or some symptom could possibly be related to their childhood or some abuse or some trauma. So that's the podcast to listen to. You can decide to do life however you want to do life, but at least be open to the science that proves the mind and the body are connected. Your physical health impacts your mental health and your mental health impacts your physical health. So the value of love is extraordinary. You really could, could change your life. So what stops love and affection? Let's move off into, well, There are many things that stop love and affection. People who feel they're not lovable or they're not worthy or not deserving or they're not good enough sometimes will run away from love or reject love or just, you know, not deal with love. Irrational thinking, disempowering attitudes and beliefs, the way you think. So there's a thing I've now decided to call the negative thinking pack, P-A-C-K, because it frequently, almost always, but frequently comes together. And the negative thinking pack includes negative thinking, overthinking, catastrophizing, brooding, and ruminating, to name the top ones. That can thwart love, that can, you know, take you out of the game for love and affection. Your concerns about what other people will think of you. Fears, Insecurities, self-doubts, the possibility of rejection, unhealed wounds, traumas, betrayals, hurts, resignation, ego, pride, arrogance, righteousness, shame, embarrassment, lack of self-awareness, trust issues, being guarded, running away from love, feeling you are unlovable, decisions that it's too risky or too hard or didn't work out before, not being able to deal with your emotions, not being present, saying no to love when it shows up and self-sabotage. So there's an awful lot of reasons why sometimes love and affection is a problem. Like there are so many things that stop love and affection. And I would hope that you can bring compassion to the table because you're human and because most of the things that I talk about in my podcasts are not things we're training people in. I, listen, I ran away from love more than once. Not proud of it. Not proud of it at all. But there it was because I didn't, wasn't aware that I had these fears and boom, ran away from love. So there are valid reasons why people run away from love or or stop or don't allow love and affection. So let's be kind and understand that you're human and however you are is however you are. And then there's growth and development because I hope you want to have love. I hope that you want that. I really hope that you want that. And affection, it's all really good stuff. So bring some compassion that there's a, I just gave you a list was like over 20 things that can interrupt or thwart or stall or stop love and affection, which are common. They're just common. All right, so the next piece really has to do with where love and affection frequently is missing that gets people on the, wrong, on the wrong road, which is dysfunctional families and sibling mistreatment or bullying. So very often, because of a lot of different things, and I'm not faulting people. Listen, people do the best they can and I really believe that. You don't you don't have to believe that. That's a choice. That's a that's a belief. You can believe whatever you want. I personally believe that people are doing the best they can, which includes parents, which includes family, which includes siblings, which includes teachers and classmates and all kinds of people. At the same time, when someone is irrational or someone has an addiction or someone has very low self-esteem or is brittle that can have a negative impact on their child they might not be able to provide their child with love and affection so one of the big reasons that for many people love and affection is missing from their life as an adult is because they never got it as a child if you didn't get something as a child, it's possible you can get it later in life for sure, for sure, for sure. But it's just not your normal. And the other piece is sometimes if a child has one parent that's a loving and affectionate, but not the other parent, not both parents, they might end up in an abusive relationship or marriage because they're Unconsciously patterning off of the parent that, that w- they were missing the love and affection from. So, families of origin are one of the big reasons that people move on in life and move through life without this rich sense of love and affection. Now, listening to this podcast, you're an adult. You can choose to have love and affection. You can choose to take whatever actions you need to take to bring love fully into your life, to bring love and affection fully into your life. You have a free pass before today's podcast, actually, you have a free pass to do life however you want. I have no skin in the game about what you do in your life. As long as you're not like doing something really bad and even then uh, probably not going to. I don't know. Anyway. All right. So what I want to talk to you about next is some pieces that come into play with love and affection. So if you never had love and affection growing up, it's not that likely that you'd have it in life. You could, you might've lucked out. You might've, you know, had some experiences where you started to realize, oh yeah, this is great, but I don't want you to beat yourself up or be hard on yourself. If love and affection is missing from your life right now, or it's low, or you never had it. And by the way, I do have a podcast titled beating yourself up or being hard on yourself, because that's probably one of the number one things that people do in the world that we're not talking about. And it's not helpful. So one of the pieces about, so you're going to make a choice how you want your life to go. And I hope you're going to choose having love and affection be a big part of it. Now I want to talk to you about when someone rejects your love and affection, because of course that happens, and, and it happens. Like I talked about, I did a podcast called uh, "Running Away from Love." I'm not, I'm not proud of that, people. I'm really, I'm laughing, but I'm not proud of it. I'm not proud of it, but at the same time, I'm proud of the fact that I can cop to it. I'm proud of the fact that I can at least admit. That I made that mistake. I I did. Make, it was a mistake. It was my blind spot. Um, so many times, people will reject your love and affection, and it will literally have zero to do with you. It won't be that they don't love you. It won't be that they don't think that you two would be good together. It won't be any of that stuff. It will be their own fears, their own insecurities, their own self-doubts, their own, you know, their own stuff. So, and it's worse. So this is the thing. When someone rejects your love and affection, well, that's hurtful. I mean, let's be honest, that hurt, that's hurtful. So you will have to identify your emotions and then manage and process them. Here's what I know. If you have certain ways of thinking or certain traits, you will feel worse and it will be harder for you to manage and deal with someone rejecting your love and affection. If you have healthy self-esteem, and I don't mean health self-esteem that's attached to your money, your success, your job, your roles, the, you know, where you are in life, I mean, just feeling good about yourself as a human being, separate from your circumstances or your accomplishments. If you have healthy self-esteem and rational thinking, it's going to be significantly easier for you to deal with someone rejecting your love and affection. So if you have low self-esteem and irrational thinking, that's going to be harder, in my opinion, based on the research. Then there's the negative thinking pack that I already mentioned. If you have the negative thinking pack, negative thinking, ruminating, brooding, overthinking, catastrophizing, then you might as well just throw gasoline on the fire. You will be tanked. If someone rejects your love and affection, it's just, you'll do a downward spiral, in my opinion, in my experience. So, you know, you could deal with hurt if someone rejects your love and affection in a number of different ways. Understanding that many times, not always, but many times when someone rejects your love and affection, that it has nothing to do with you. Hopefully, that's going to make it easier for, your, for you because it frequently has nothing to do with you. Now, if it does, it does. So, um, what's going to be helpful is for you to understand that there will be occasions where someone will reject your love and affection, and you want to be able to deal with that because you don't want you don't want anyone to take away your power. And when someone rejects your love and affection the most often result is you have a loss of power and it doesn't have to be a loss of power and I have a podcast t- called taking back your power so there are pieces rational thinking and self-esteem that are wildly beneficial in life period on their own but beneficial in the area of love and affection and also that negative thinking pack. now There are times when someone will have to withdraw or retreat from your love and affection. So I want to mention that so you get clear about that because this is an area where sometimes people make mistakes and get it wrong, and I don't want you to not understand what happens sometimes. So sometimes, from time to time, Someone will have something going on in their life. It could be domestic abuse. It could be a health challenge. It could be a life challenge. It could be they're a caregiver. It could be something going on at work. It could be many things, many, many things. And sometimes when things are happening, someone will have to withdraw and retreat from you, from your love and affection. But it has nothing to do with you. It's not a reflection of you. It's not a statement about how they feel about you. It literally has nothing to do with you. But when people don't have this broader or larger expansive view of psychology and how people operate and what happens with people, sometimes then people will feel offended or they'll feel hurt or they will make up the wrong story or idea that, oh, see, you know, Mary doesn't like me anymore. Oh, see, Joe thinks, you know, he doesn't want to be friends with me anymore, etc. And that's not accurate. So my point in mentioning this is I don't want you to mistakenly come to the conclusion that someone's rejecting you if they've simply kind of, withdrawn, retreated, they might be cocooning. I want you to be able to look and see what's going on with them. Because you do not want to cut people off and throw people out of your life who are struggling. And by the way, if someone's in an abusive marriage or relationship, it is almost a guarantee. They're going to retreat from you and retreat, withdraw from your love and affection because that's what the abuser demands. Abusers demand and they isolate their targets. That's normal. So you do not want to dismiss someone because you have the wrong idea and that, and that's happened. The next piece, not a happy piece, but it's an important piece. Nonetheless, regarding love and affection is this notion that's withholding love and affection. Withholding love and affection is actually an abusive action that falls under the category of neglect when it comes to abuse. Abusers do this frequently. Psychopaths for sure. Some most sociopaths might do it as well, as well as narcissists. And then there are just people who are mentally not well from any number of diagnostic criteria that will withhold love and affection. And this is a very deeply painful problem when it happens in childhood. It's actually deeply painful when it happens in adulthood. And when it, if you were a child growing up, and one or both of your parents withheld love and affection, which I'm I'm asserting is extremely common. I'll be looking for the statistics on that for sure, but probably won't find them. I don't know that anybody's been tracking that because that's not something people will be honest about if I can be direct. But if one of your parents withheld love and affection, in my opinion, that could or maybe would fall under what's called a betrayal trauma. Now I just happened upon betrayal trauma by accident. (laughs) Like how, how I fall fall into so many things is by accident by accident or by the direction of the universe. And it seems to me that the withholding of love and affection by a parent or caregiver or both parents falls very nicely in line with but with a betrayal trauma, which is one of the more serious traumas. And I'm still researching it because I just literally fell into that by accident recently. But in any case, the withholding of love and affection is a very problematic abuse. It's an abuse, but we are not talking about that. It's it's very common. And if your parent or parents, gosh, I hope it wasn't both, but if your parent or parents withheld love and affection, there is it's extremely likely that you it was a trauma and you might have experienced trauma responses in your life that you don't even realize are trauma responses. Depression and anxiety, by the way are trauma responses. There are many trauma responses and depression and anxiety are just just two of them. You know, you may have, it's likely you develop low self-esteem. If you're not, if your child doesn't receive love and affection in their formative years by a certain age, it's just extremely likely they're not going to feel valued. They will not feel important. They will not feel they matter. And they're certainly not going to feel loved if they're not getting love and affection. So this is a big problem. And it's not it's not okay. But it does happen in the area of love and affection that there are people who will withhold love and affection. That's not what you want. That's, that's not love. The next piece is kind of segues from the withholding of love and affection. And again, just to be clear, withholding love and affection is a form of abuse that falls under the category of neglect. So this next piece is really about toxicity and love. I've heard people say in the past, oh, well, it's just a toxic love. So I do want to address that. First of all, real love, in my opinion, is never toxic. It's just not toxic. However, we have people who are toxic and we have people who have toxic behaviors and we have people who are psychopaths or sociopaths or narcissists or simply abusers and and they do toxic things so that's one piece if someone is an abuser they're not only withholding love and affection they're a toxic person they're probably out to crush they're probably out to crush your soul I I don't know how many abusers are out to crush the other person's soul. That's a really good question. I'll have to, I'm sure I probably wouldn't, would never find the answer to that because we're not really being honest in that in domestic abuse. In my opinion, we're not really tracking some things. We're not, we really anyway. So, but there are some things that I think are very, very important to you to distinguish when there's some toxic behaviors because when a child grows up in a dysfunctional family of any number of degrees, sometimes as that child gets older, they will, they will be struggling, struggling emotionally. They may be struggling mentally. They may have a lot of struggles, but if you're the safe parent, if you're the parent they could count on, you're the parent they knew, they know that you love them. They know they can count on you. You may become the target from for some of their toxic behaviors or some of their vicious or nasty outbursts because they can't handle their own emotions and you're safe. And the other parent, who would be the abuser or the nasty or the bad person or the evil parent or the psychopath, they, they cannot share those emotions with someone who's that unsafe. So the reason I'm bringing this up is because if you're a parent, and this could also happen in, in relationships it could happen across the board in a number of, of a variety of ways, having some understanding and not just just carte blanche writing someone off because they weren't nice to you or they said something that's mean. All of the skills that I've been talking about in the 100 plus podcast before this one really are pointing to that. Yes, you want to have good solid boundaries and no, you do not want to accept abusive treatment from anyone. That being said, if you're the sibling or the parent or the aunt or the co-worker or the neighbor, you could end up getting some toxic treatment or reactions because you're the one who loves them and you're the one who's safe. And in that case, you have to bring, you might have to get a therapist involved. You might have to get a consultation with the therapist. You will have to look and see, is this a a pattern? How long has this been going on? When did this start? Is it escalating? What, What is all involved? If it's someone that you love, no, you do not accept toxic treatment. And at the same time, when you're the loving one, when you're the safe one, when you're the one that is reliable and consistent, you may end up being the safe place for them to dump their emotions, in which case then you have to get back with them and say, okay, here's the emotional pieces that are going on, this is how you've been acting, which is not okay, here's the issues we need to look at and take this to your therapist, or however, you have to deal with it. But the reason I bring this up is because when people don't understand human behavior and they don't understand a basic piece of psychology they go off the deep end they write off their mother their father their brother their their child their aunt their uncle their their nephew their niece their co-worker their neighbor their best friend and it's a mistake so no love is not toxic it is never toxic Yet sometimes people, good people, really good people will make mistakes and behave badly. So I want you to be able to bring in some basic psychology because you don't want to just throw people away. I mean, I want to be able to make mistakes in my life and get things wrong and then clean it up. That's what I want because I'm not perfect and I'm not trying to be perfect. So what would it, so hopefully this little snippet on toxicity and love makes it clear That good people, really good. I'm not talking about abusers and bad people or psychopaths. Those are just unwell, bad people, but good people, you know, whether it's, you know, a neighbor or your nephew or your coworker or whoever, your best friend will occasionally, maybe, you know, you become the target because you're safe and they know that you love them. And sometimes it's just purely, they got triggered. All right. What would it be necessary? What would, what has to happen For you to have love and affection in your life? Well, first of all, I have no idea. I have some thoughts, but I have no idea. You could just start. You could today. Make up your mind. Yep, I want to have a magical life. I want that vitality. I want that happiness. I want that energy. I want it all. and Go do it. What's going to helpful be helpful for you is healthy boundaries. Healthy boundaries are helpful in every area of life. It's also helpful if you have healing. And it's again not necessary. Rational thinking, oh my goodness, please put that on your list. We apparently have more people who are irrational than rational. That's a problem. And irrational thinking is you've got a flawed way of looking at life. Your way, the way that you view life and think. Is, is inaccurate. That's not helping you. No. So what you might need to do, I don't know. You might have to get out of your head. You might have to stop caring what people think about you. you. Who knows what you'd have to do? I don't know. But I do know that being authentic and real will be helpful. It will be helpful in love and affection because then you can just go, you can just go do things. You can just go do whatever you want. Now, so, Just start, figure out what you need to do and just start. I'll have some suggestions when I wrap this up. And, um, so, um, I do want to, I do want to (laughs) mention, I hate to say this. I'm, I'm like, um, so if you're going to bring love and affection into your life, and I hope you will, I pray to, I pray to God you will, it's amazing. It will Being a loving and affectionate person, it will draw people to you as if you're a magnet. People love that. People love to be cared for. People love to be loved. And it's just rich and amazing. At the same time, I do want to mention that for some people, they will hate you because you're loving and affectionate. They will resent you. They will be jealous. They will be envious. They will even be angry. Some people will hate you if you are really loving and affectionate. It's both sides of the coin. Now, more people will be drawn to you and more people will appreciate that because it's what people want and it's what they're, they're missing. And Who doesn't enjoy being loved? I mean, I don't know. Well, We know some sick people don't enjoy it. If you're a psychopath and someone's really loving to you, you're probably going to hate it because that's kind of part of the thing of a psychopath. I do have some experience with that. So when you're just making these decisions, I want you to understand that when you bring your real self, when you can be authentic and real, People will love you. The right people are going to adore you. The right people will love you to pieces without question. And the people who don't love you, they're not your people. They're just not for you. So being authentic and real will free you up. It's very powerful. It's very freeing. It's very fun. And it will be helpful in the whole piece of love and affection. So I'm going to... Condense this. I'm going to skip over unconditional love by just saying I think unconditional love is is Sparse and possibly rare. It is the goal in my opinion. You want to Move towards where you can love people the way they are and love them the way they're not And not be so rigid that people have to be a certain way. That doesn't mean you give up your values You have your core values dictate your boundaries, your beliefs, but you could learn to love people for who they are and ditch some other ways of loving. All right. So the next piece I want to mention quickly is love and affection from with strangers. So Okay, this is going to be my longest podcast ever, and I just noticed I'm getting really uncomfortable about it, and I want to race through the end. So bear with me. So love and affection with strangers. So I am bring this up because this is a golden opportunity that you will find every once in a blue moon. It could be when you're out at a store, you could be at a sporting event or uh, a church or Uh, anywhere it could happen anywhere rest at a restaurant for sure and that is where a stranger will need a little love and affection or what i or what i call a love tap tap and i bring this up because this is a great way for you to practice and it's also one of the things that's needed so i'll give you an example so frequently if i'm in a store grocery store department store you name it store And I hear a baby crying or a toddler crying or fussing or throwing a tantrum. It's like the homing signal for me. And I go. I go. I find the mother. It's usually mother. With their baby, toddler, four-year-old, five-year-old, whatever. And I will start talking to their child. First of all, when a child, whether it's a two-year-old, three-year-old, five-year-old, or what have you is crying and upset in a store or wherever. Usually what the first thing people say is, oh, don't cry. So that's invalidating their upset. So what do I say? I say, oh my gosh, you're really upset. Oh, it looks like you're really mad or you're really angry or you're really sad. It's okay to be angry. It's okay to be sad. And almost, well, frequently, the child stops because I have just validated their upset. And then they look at me and then I'll get them singing or playing a game or teaching them why spy or what have you. And the parent, usually the mother, but, well, often the mother, is just dramatically relieved. And in the meantime by the way I'm also acknowledging the parent. I hope it's okay I'm talking to your child and they're like, "Oh yes. Oh yes, please help me." And I'm acknowledging the parent. Look, you're doing a good job. Like children cry. This this stuff happens and and the next thing you know it, the child's happy and off the parent goes. And when you can acknowledge the parent and give them that little encouragement, give them that pat on the back, and at the same time, help their child stop throwing a tantrum or being upset. It's amazing. It's beautiful. It's very rich. I mean, I've even had, I mean, one parent took their kid out of the cart in the checkout line and handed me, handed the kid over to me. He was like, here you go. Here you go. And I said, okay, well, one of my kids was with me and they were a little appalled. And I, you know, got the kid so the child wasn't upset anymore. And then, you know, they were finished checking out and everything was happy. And they just looked at me and said, oh, my gosh, like, what would we have done if you weren't here? Well, they would have had a crying child through the rest of the checkout. These are little opportunities. One other quick example, and I'll tell you why this is important, too. So one time I was at a store, I'll leave out the details. And this woman, older woman, was at the checkout or checking out and she was having an emotional um, upset. She was crying. And everyone just stopped. Nobody talked to her. Nobody knew what to do. Everyone basically froze. So I was a couple feet away, but I went over, and I said, hi, can I put my arm around you? She said, yes. She started sobbing. I said, it's okay. I don't know what you're dealing with, but whatever it is, I'm here to help you. We'll get through it. And she said, okay. And then we kind of went off to the side so someone else could go to the register. And it turned out her husband had recently passed and she was in the throes of grief. And we had a lovely conversation about her husband who had passed away. And meanwhile, everyone in the store is just watching this unfold. And so we got her, I got her sorted out. So she then, she felt better and she could go back and and continue checking out. This is the thing. People avoid these situations because they're uncomfortable. They're uncomfortable in being with people and expressing their love and affection. I understand that, but this is what's possible. If you will grow your own emotions, be able to be authentic and real. I mean, I really don't care what people think of me. Yes, I'm going to walk up to a stranger who's struggling with a child, whether it's in the parking lot, whether it's at church. I mean, I've had people, their kids come over the pew and they're sitting with me drawing during mass and the parents are like praising God. It's, it's, it's an amazing, miraculous opportunity to show someone in their moment of need, love and affection. It's beautiful. It's rich. And I mean, listen, I mean, my my poor kids. Yes, I have sung the wheels on the bus with kids in a department store who were screaming and crying and then having a ball. And the parents were just like, can we take you home? I'm like, well, maybe I should take your kids home. But yeah, so this is a magical opportunity to love, provide love and affection to a stranger. I think, I think it's just, it's, Rich. It's beautiful and give that parent a pat on the back. That's what they need They need to hear they shouldn't be ashamed or embarrassed and all that stuff. Anyway. All right spoiling your people. Well, the thing is I'm a fan of spoiling your people. I'm a diehard fan of spoiling everybody in my life, including businesses that I frequent Because it's fun and it's the way way to go. That could be little cards. It could be little surprises. It could be checking in with them. Like, spoil your people and have people who spoil you. All right, my next piece before I give you some suggestions is, have you lost your sparkle? I bring this up because when children are born into a family, assuming that they are well-loved and cared for and their needs are met in the first few years, they have a sparkle. They have curiosity, they have wonder, they have this, they don't care what people think of them. They are just like happy, joyful, doing life. And then something happens. It could be any number of things. And sometimes kids will make it through to, to adulthood before they lose their sparkle. But sometimes people lose their sparkle. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because you can bring your own sparkle back with love and affection. Self-care is going to be important, but, you know, like I've, I've lost my sparkle on, on occasion, <laughs> on occasion. <laughs> like I have lost my sparkle on occasion. Then I wake up and go, Oh, I think I've lost my sparkle. Better get back in the game. But you can, you can regain your sparkle with intentional actions dedicated towards bringing love and affection into your life, which by the way, one, one big reason for a loss of sparkle in children and adults is abuse. All right. So here's some additional suggestions to help you move along the pathway to love and affection. Number one, please do not beat yourself up or be hard on yourself in any way. If love and affection is either missing from your life or low, That, in my opinion, is the norm. That's the norm. I I hate to say it because it makes me sad, but I'm standing by that. And by the way, anybody who is with these Gallup polls, these are all the polls Gallup could start doing. Like they really could start doing Gallup polls on that. Number two, so don't beat yourself up. And by the way, I have a podcast that will help you because that's a skill you want to learn to be compassionate with yourself and not be so hard on yourself and not beat yourself up. Number two, make the commitment. Be all in. Say, yes, I want the magic of love and affection. I want my life to be really fun and really amazing and really just magical. And love and affection provides that, or at least it's an avenue. Number three, take stock of your life. Like There's nothing wrong with taking stock of your life as long as you're not going to go, oh, well, woe is me. I don't have anger skills. Woe is me. I'm irrational. No, you go, mm, I don't have anger skills. I better get to work on that. If you're irrational, get to work on it because these are all things that can be changed. You are not stuck with them. All right, next. Four. Put yourself squarely in the driver's seat. You have way more control over your life than you might imagine. Even if you have horrible circumstances, even if right now, right now, you are trapped in an an abusive relationship or marriage, you can still get to work on yourself. You can still start setting goals. You have control of many things even if you have the most abominable circumstances. I mean, come on having all of my money taken and stolen illegally and fraudulently and starting over with nothing but a mountain of debt. Yeah. I couldn't control that where I would have, <laughs> um, but I, I did what I could because there's way more controllable things. So put yourself back in the driver's seat of life and take back your power. My next suggestion is, I suggest this all the time, is that you create a reward system because people do not like change. They don't, they don't go, oh, bring me some change. Yeah, I want change. No, create a reward system. Take people with you. My next suggestion is please, please, please start getting yourself sorted out on whether you have rational or irrational thinking. I'm unconfirmed as to the exact statistic or the range. I'm hearing and reading that irrational thinking rules the day and is significantly higher than 50 plus percent. One source says, um, you know, 90% of people are irrational. I don't know the statistic except that it's high. And irrational thinking is not going to help you in any way in your life. My next suggestion is to grow your emotions to be a superpower because you can. I also suggest that you have compassion for yourself and your life. Look, you've made it up till now. Like however old you are, you're here. You're listening to this podcast and guess what? Now you can create your life. You can bring love and affection into your life and make your life beautiful, even if it's been sadly missing up till now. Even if you've never had it, you can still have it. My next suggestion is forgiveness. I'm a big fan of forgiveness because grudges are the opposite of love and affection and grudges are really poisonous for you. So I have a podcast about forgiveness that will help you. My next suggestion is to learn how to control your mind. If you happen to have low self-esteem, irrational thinking and the negative thinking pack, oh boy. This <coughs> should be this should be a priority for you because you tend if you have all of those things going on, tend to spiral out of control and go down the rabbit hole. And you can learn how to control your mind. Really, you can over time. My next suggestion is to make this fun and playful. Well, we're talking about love and affection. when well, we don't want love and affection to be boring. I actually don't want anything to be boring. So I'm, I'm, I don't do well with boring. I just don't. I don't like it. I like having fun. I like being playful. So bring play and fun into this. I don't know why you wouldn't want to. And if you're stuck, I have a podcast on being having more fun and play. My next suggestion is that you start to get hip to neuroplasticity and psychoneuroimmunology and use these two proven fields of science to your advantage. That's what you want to do with science is use science to your advantage. You want, in my opinion, to use everything to your advantage, but in doing so you will recognize the value, the supreme value of love and the mind-body connection. My next suggestion is that you start taking actions. Like you have people in your life. You could start being more loving and affectionate with them. Probably. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it depends on who you are. But there's there's one thing. And the last piece is that I want you always to think about the Marion Diamond Research Lab. And how simply talking sweetly, petting the rats gently, increased their lifespan by fifty percent, and gave them neuroplastic gains in their brains. Really, like that's pretty. That's pretty amazing. And that's not the only like good piece out of her research. So here's your takeaways. It's time to stop. Take a pause. And assess how much love and affection do you have in your life my next takeaway is you could have whatever amount you want if you're willing to get an action and take care of it build a team get a reward system go through the steps my my call to action is people really don't have love and affection in their life overall in the majority Please share this podcast on social media to help other people get a breakthrough, create an opening, and start having love and affection in their life. That's all. I'm Lisa Lundy saying thank you for listening to my Love Life Podcast, episode number 112, The Lost Art of Love and Affection. I hope that you're going to take some actions to bring love and affection squarely into your life because you'll enjoy it. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe so you get the new ones automatically because clearly you wouldn't want to miss one. And share this podcast on social media so you can help other people bring love and affection into their lives. Love you. Take care. Bye for now.